This podcast was brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome back to part two of the Ask the Scientist podcast session with Professor Benjamin Marsland. In this segment, we hear about Ben's research career and his advice on navigating the biomedical research space. Finally, to conclude, Ben answers 10 random rapid-fire questions. So stay tuned until the end. You have completed your postdoctoral training in Switzerland. How important was it for your career to go abroad and work in a different lab? For me, I think it was uh, absolutely critical. Uh, I was in studying in New Zealand, uh, had a great experience there, learned a lot, learned a lot about how to think about science. Uh, and then I went to Switzerland into a very, very different um, environment, uh, both culturally and scientifically. Uh, so I learned a, a great deal from that change of um, experience. Uh, uh, and I, it's something that I would very much encourage people to do um, as they develop both their career and as a person to understand how different people think, because as professionals, we also need to be able to manage different personalities and different cultures. And, and that's an important part of, um, of moving forward with, with work and projects and, and, and so on. Uh, so I think that was um, a very important step. Um, I moved from Zurich in Switzerland as a postdoc to Lausanne in Switzerland um, as a PI. And uh, even though it was the same country, it's, there are two very different cultures, one being ger more German-like and one being more French-like. And in addition to that, because my uh, renovations of my lab were delayed five years, I was placed in a, in a small lab in, in the university hospital as opposed to in a more academic basic research environment. And that change of environment, even though um, it was in the same country and I was still working for a university, but suddenly I was in a hospital, uh, probably had the most profound effects on my career um, and really made um, the work that we do now much more translational than it was at the start. So I think going abroad, having different experiences uh, is, is a really key ingredient in um, shaping your career. At what point in your postdoc did you decide that you wanted to be ahead of your own research group? It actually happened in my PhD. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the discussion, uh, I, I didn't expect to become a, a scientist. And I thought if, perhaps if I was becoming a scientist, I'd be in industry very quickly. Um, but I, I, my PhD period was um, really exciting from the ideas, perspective, the discussion, and the excitement about science and discovering things. Um, and so I knew from that, that point on that I was going to continue in, in research and a natural progression for that um, was to have my own group. Um, so I, I was just really, once I was on that train, it was just the next step was a postdoc and then to assistant professor and then just following it along. Um, and that, that was very clear to me very early on, although I appreciate that that's not the case for, for a lot of people. But for me, it was, it was quite a straightforward decision. And there were never moments where you thought this is getting too difficult or maybe, you know, a bit enough more than I can choose. You never had thoughts like that. I, I have thoughts like that every day. <laughs> it hasn't changed from <laughs> uh, when, I, when I was a, 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 as a student, somewhat carefree and you know, doing this uh, project 
uh, and you work your way through it and, uh, um, and that was fine. And it becomes progressively harder as you um, apply for grants. So it's very conscious of different bottlenecks um, that develop along the career path when there's, there are very few grants or there are very few professor positions. Um, and you're, you're constantly putting yourself out there to be judged, uh, whether that be when you're uh, giving a talk um, or you're publish, trying to publish a paper or submitting a grant. And you know the nature of academia is that people are generally um, judging you and assessing it and trying to think of where the weaknesses are. And that constant judgment and challenging the challenge is very hard. Um, and and it was not at one specific point. In fact, it was easier early on. It's just continually progressed, and now it's just a day-to-day part of life. On that note, there is a feeling of constant anxiety in the scientific community over obtaining adequate research funding. As someone who is having a successful scientific career, what kind of advice would you give any postdoctoral researchers or even PhD students who are hoping one day to become a group leader? It's really hard. I think resilience is what we normally refer back to. Um, you do have to be resilient. Um, but how, how do you become resilient? Um, I guess it's going to be different for different people. For me, it's to understand um, the system or try to rationalise the system. So when a success rate for a grant, for example, um, is in the is under ten percent, um, you can I, I expect that our research is going to be in the top 50, uh, fifteen or twenty percent, um, but I which I think is good. But I have to accept that there's only amount of money there's only a certain amount of money which uh, will fund the top ten percent, and that that barrier between ten and fifteen percent or ten and twenty percent there's so much good science uh, which is there which is not getting funded. So I rationalise it that I'm not a complete uh, loser and our ideas are not terrible, but there is not enough money to support all of the good science that's going around. Um, so when I miss out on a grant, I, I try to rationalise it in that way. But that usually comes a, a couple of days after I've been a bit grumpy and needed some quiet time um, because it's never easy to get uh, rejected or to miss out on things. And it's really just a question of um, not taking it to heart. It's not a personal failure. Uh, this is a system uh, and it's a question of just staying, sticking with it, keep keeping going uh, and enjoying the, the, the positive sides of the job. Um, there's no easy way and no one's ever going to always be successful. Uh, so it's a question of just trying to, to manage those um, disappointments. I would like to also ask, who do you identify as role models or idols in the scientific community? Yeah, it's a hard, um, hard thing to answer. Uh, I think when I think about who do I respect the most and who has shaped the way I think the most, it's, um, it's, it's people who um, uh, could be clinician scientists or could just be clinicians or could be scientists, but are able to communicate at a level um, that's appropriate for a bunch of different settings. So people who are passionate about what they're doing and at the top of their game, for example, in their particular topic in, in academia, but are equally able to um, communicate that to clinicians or to even be confused as a clinician because um, they have such a good grasp of what is required 
um, in the field? How do clinicians, what are the concerns that they have? Um, what's important um, for the field? So people who are able to um, cross those boundaries for me, I find really um, exciting to be around. I, I look up to, to them. I won't name them, but there's been a couple in my career who um, I have seen do that, and that's inspired me to, to try to learn to understand the different um, players in, in the healthcare and how to communicate um, with them. I think being enthusiastic and um, putting a lot of energy into what you're doing is something I really respect. And when I see um, people who are enthusiastic and, and pushing the boundaries and uh, as opposed to sitting back and being complacent or focusing too much on the negative, um, those are the people who, who have inspired me. You were also quite involved in the university's postgraduate activities, actively participating in events that promote student well-being and professional development. How important would you say it is to be involved in your institution outside of just your research project? I think it's important to be a good citizen. You want to communicate and contribute um, your experiences with people. Um, everyone will have a different threshold for, for what, what that means and, and how much of it they want to do. I think it's important just to be part of a community and to contribute. So if there's some value in sharing my experiences, for example, um, that can be added to other people's uh, um, bits of information that they'll take from multiple sources to and interpret it within their environment in order to make their, their decisions. So I think I, I enjoy um, being able to contribute um, in that way. By no means is what I do the only way or the best way, but I can at least share that and people can uh, take on aspects of it or, or nothing. I think it's good to be um, an active player in uh, your institution or um, in societies, for example, um, outside of your research projects. But at the end of the day, we're, we're scientists who need to contribute something meaningful. Um, and so from my side, I think it's very important not to lose sight of the science and the goals of what we want to achieve, um, because it can be very distracting as well to, to do too much um, in the community um, and hard then to balance um, your core job of contributing scientifically um, with also being a, a good citizen and contributing outside of your, your um, research projects. Finally, what's the best part of being a biomedical researcher? That's the freedom, I think. Um, we've always um, been able to ask whatever question we like and then follow the data and, and see where it leads. And um, the um, ability to have that freedom is, I think, amazing. And the, the biggest plus for me as a biomedical researcher is being able to just uh, follow along with your ideas. The idea, uh, again, is from a personal perspective that this could lead to a translational outcome and actually impact on um, healthcare and people's lives is, is really uh, exciting and appealing. So I think that freedom um, and then the potential impact of what we do is definitely the best part of being a, a researcher from my perspective. To finish off the podcast session, I would like to ask you 10 rapid fire questions. These are extremely random and Ben has not heard these questions before, but this would just be a really great way to end the segment. Um, so let me begin. Question number one, would you rather sing like Elvis Presley or dance like Michael Jackson? Uh, sing like Elvis Presley. Great. Question number two, 
Do you believe aliens live amongst us? Yes. Yeah, indeed. Um, question number three. If someone gave you a mystery box and said you can only open it in two hours, would you open it straight away or wait the two hours? Two hours. Question number four. Five historical figures you would invite to your dinner party? Well, Jacinda Ardern's not particularly historical, but she's pretty cool. So I put her um, as one. Richie McCaw, who's the all-black captain, he would definitely um, be on the, um, on the list. Um, Eddie Vedder um, would be an interesting guy to, to have around for, for dinner, I think. Uh, these are more celebrities than historical figures. Um, and um, oh, perhaps um, Barack Obama would be interesting to have around. Oh, yeah. Your party would be super fun. I think uh, Good choice. Is, is that enough? Yeah, I, couldn't, I wasn't giving count, so I think that's fine. All right. um, okay, question number five. If you could travel to any country right now, where would you go? Nepal. I miss mountains. Okay, very nice. Question number six. Six. Would you rather look like kale or feel like kale? <laughs> um, look. Look like kale? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Question number seven. If you had Superman sitting in your office right now, what would be the first thing you would say to him? <laughs> Let's fly out of here. Ah, oh, good response. Question right. eight. Describe your life using one word. Oh, gosh. Full life. Question number nine. What are two things you would do if you were tasked with keeping a clown amused for a whole day? <laughs> um, I'd get him to look after my son, Zach. Uh, and um, I would, I think that would be enough for his whole job, actually. It'd be great. <laughs> okay, great. Especially with being, school, uh, being locked down and done homeschooling. Yeah, that's a good point. And finally, kind words that were said to you recently. Nice beard. <laughs> That's a good response as well. Great. So that was the last question. Uh, I would like to thank you very much for your time, Ben. And I do wish you continued success in your research. Pleasure. Thanks a lot, Lakshani. That marks the end of the Ask the Scientist podcast session. If you are interested in keeping up with Ben's research or asking him any questions about his work, then you can follow him on Twitter via the handle at Ben J. Marsland. You can also listen to our other podcasts on iTunes under the Breathe Easy banner and subscribe to receive updates on new releases. From the ATS Respiratory Structure and Function Committee, my name is Lakshani Wickramasinghe and I thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for the next Ask the Scientist podcast session.